From the nation's capital to the Sunshine State. It's compelling. The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Friday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. And good morning. Welcome to GRN Alive. It's a beautiful Friday morning, August 21st, 20th week in Ordinary Time. And we are glad that you are with us. We want you to participate in the program today. Broadcasting all across uh, this network, ever-growing network, and I bet you it will even be growing more as we move through 2020 and 2021. Uh, my name is Dave Palmer. I serve as Executive Director of the North Texas Station of the Guadalupe Radio Network, joined, as always, by Cecil Anderson at the other side of the glass, <laughs> socially distancing in an <laughs> very, extreme case. How are you doing? Good morning. Doing well, thank you. I'm is gonna... that plexiglass? <laughs> <laughs> I'm very safe in here, guys. <laughs> yeah, you are. You are safe. Uh, Dr. Chris Malloy from the University of Dallas. How you doing? Good morning. Good. D- doing well. I love on days like this because it's the feast day of uh, Pope St. Pius X, and uh, he was the Pope from 2000, I'm sorry, 1903 to 1914, and he's known for opposing modernist interpretations of Catholic doctrines. So we're going to go to our heavy hitter here, our, our, our PhD in theology, to talk a little bit about Pius X in a moment. And uh, his big encyclical, 1907, Pascendi Dominici Gregis. Which means something in Latin that I don't know. <laughs> Cicel, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, give me a couple minutes and I'll yeah, figure yeah, that yeah, out. Yeah, look that one up. Well, yeah, um, uh, tomorrow's the feast day of the Queenship of Mary. And if you follow these things, yesterday was a feast day of St. Bernard of Clairvaux, the great doctor of the church and abbot. And uh, Cicel's going to have a few stories in the news. We're going to have a little bit of information about the now-finished Democrat uh, National Convention, which wrapped up last night. Next week, it'll be the Republicans' turn. And uh, we are going to spend most of today's show talking about, you know, I was thinking about what's the biggest story of 2020. And I was thinking, well, certainly I think it would be COVID-19. Mm-hmm. But then I'm thinking, well, it's, you know, you're in a busy year where there's actually competition. You might say it was George Floyd. You might mm-hmm. say the riots, the, re- the, the, the election. I mean, the 2020 has just been nuts. <laughs> but uh, we've all been impacted by COVID-19. And you may wonder sometimes, what is it like, A, to, to, to contract it, to get it? What if you're a priest and you get it and you're the, the head of a congregation? Well, as you likely know, Monsignor Charles Pope uh, was in that situation. He had written about it and uh, he contracted it and he spent some time in the hospital. He's going to join us a quarter after to talk about his road to recovery. I trust he is uh, recovering well and also some of the flack that he got because some of the people were critical of his criticism of the fear uh, surrounding COVID-19, and then they say, oh, look, now you got it. Okay, so we'll see how he's doing, and he'll join us on the phone in just a minute. Also, what it would be like to be asked by your bishop as a priest to go into hospitals and uh, care for COVID patients? Um, we have two priests in studio with us, uh, Father John Stokowski and also... Father Timo, we're going to call him. He's uh, he's from Poland. He's got a long Polish name, and I'll let him uh, pronounce it. I, I, want, I always wonder, like in Poland, uh, they see a name like uh, our guest, Father uh, Father Timotusz Krzyzewskiewicz. I, I don't know if I'm close or not, <laughs> but in Poland, it's probably like, oh, that's just a common name, no big deal. But we can call him Father Timo. They're a uh, pastor and parochial vicar of a local parish here in uh, Dallas, St. Paul, and they've been asked. You know, they actually volunteered. Yeah, we'll go in. 
And, uh, of course, a lot of precautions, and they are, are dealing with people, and some of them on their deathbeds. And so uh, we'll talk to them in just a moment. And uh, uh, GRN News, last night was the Fishers of Men dinner in Washington, D.C. The keynote speaker was Father Hezekiah Carnazzo, and the Fishers of Men Award was given to Bishop Michael Burbage, the Bishop of the Diocese of Arlington. So congratulations to him. I haven't gotten any updates on this yet, Cecil. Yeah, How it went. no, I hope it went really well, though. I know that when you finish an event like uh, in Joe and Michael, you just want to go to bed. Exactly, and, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'm sure it went well, and congratulations to uh, uh, Bishop Burbage for receiving the award, and thanks to everybody who went. It was an in-person event, which, which is awesome. And, you know, we have these Fishers of Men events uh, all over the network. And uh, this year has been a little weird because we've had to postpone some. But on October 29th, they're going to have their Fishers of Men event in Midland. And uh, Sissel has a hidden talent that uh, she's really clever in writing spots to promote these events. And so she was asked to write a spot to promote the October 29th Fishers of Men event. Another great bishop is going to be speaking at that one. And I thought, I, I think it'd be kind of fun to play the spot because, you know, we all get calls from telemarketers and it's kind of annoying and you always dream of turning it around on the telemarketer. And uh, so Sissel kind of put her creative juices together and made a spot kind of with that theme. So here's a spot that's running in Midland, but anybody can go, uh, promoting the October 29th event. Hello? Hi, Daniel. This is Susan from ABC Roofing. Is I'm sorry, roofing can you hang on a minute? I'm in the middle of purchasing some tickets for an upcoming event supporting Catholic Radio. Certainly. It's the Guadalupe Radio Network's annual Fishers and Men Dinner. This year's keynote speaker is Bishop Joseph Strickland from the Diocese of Tyler. That's nice. Say, are you busy on Thursday, October 29th? Um, Great, I will sign you up for a couple of tickets that's going to be held at the Midland Country Club. That's awfully nice of you, Oh, but... you can't come in person? I'll sign you up for the at-home access. You can join from home. Wait, just a minute. And if you need to buy more tickets, simply go to grnonline.com. Ooh, look at the time. I got to go. Bye, Susan. But did you need a roof? <laughs> that was good. What do you think of it, Cecil? Those are good. Very clever. That's only one of many that you've done. Yeah. Pretty funny. Huh? I know. I love those. <laughs> yeah. A yeah. little bit of fun. It's fun to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's kind of becoming known as the, the creative genius of uh, of the GRN. Oh, I don't right. know what I've started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you'll hear more of those across our markets. But uh, anyways, good job, Cecil. Thank you. That, that's awesome. All right. Anything going on in the news? No. <laughs> okay, <laughs> on to Pius the Tenth, then. Huh? <laughs> Wrong <that> answer. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if we just yeah, moved on? It's like, like we got nothing this, this, Nothing going on. This is like totally nothing. dead. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. It's been a Move boring along. year. <laughs> no, so the like you mentioned, the Democratic National Convention concluded yesterday, um, and it was uh, finished with former Vice President Joe Biden formally accepting the Democratic nomination. And he said, "If you entrust me with the presidency, I will draw the best of us and not the worst, and that he is the ally of the light and not the darkness." Um, um, this was like the conclusion of four nights with multiple guest speakers and artists performing. Um, last night, particularly, we had uh, Mike Bloomberg um, and uh, several others speaking. And um, also, interestingly, we had two um, religious, um, Catholic religious, uh, came and did an opening and closing prayer, including uh, Sister Simone Campbell of the uh, Sisters of Social Service, and um, it, it was kind of a little bit controversial. It hit the Catholic news because um, she does not openly oppose abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a little bit um, problematic, I would yeah, say. Yeah, um, to say the least. To yeah. say the least, just a little bit. Um, and then it also Father James Martin, who is the editor of the uh, 
American magazine. Yeah, American yeah, magazine, Jesuit American magazine. magazine um, who I will, also did a prayer. I will, I will say, I, I see the, he put on Twitter the prayer that he said. I didn't see it myself. Right, I didn't And uh, I, I will say, and I, I got to admit, I'm not a fan of Father James Martin, and I think he, he sows a lot of confusion and all that, but uh, he prayed uh, a prayer of welcome, and he said, open our hearts to those most in need, and they had a whole list of people that need, including the homeless person looking for a meal. Uh, he, he mentioned the LGBT teen who was bullied. He said the unborn child in the womb. Which I thought was really good. Yeah. <laughs> At least he went there. Yeah, he did. You know, and that, uh, you never know who that might touch at the DNC, you mm-hmm. know, but uh, I'm kind of surprised they let him say that. But, I, I am too. But uh, anyways. Do you think they vetted the prayer beforehand? He had it on Twitter beforehand, didn't he? Oh. Yeah, he put it up. I'm not sure before or after, but I, I got to think they vet everything. You know, yeah. that that said, I can't and imagine. Like it was a long extended prayer that would have, they could have missed that yeah. either. So yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. but uh, anyways. Uh, yeah, but so, and now that the Democrat National Convention is over, um, this Monday we'll start the Republican National Convention, and it was some big news. They haven't, I think, released their full list of guests that are going to be um, speaking, but a couple of the people that are, um, was just released, was is Abby Johnson mm-hmm. of Unplanned Fame and the founder of And Then There Were None. Um, if you don't know, she um, was... Uh, worked at Planned Parenthood in a pretty high position and then um, did leave after being convicted and after witnessing an abortion and yeah. seeing how violent it was. She left and has since then made her ministry helping others leave um, Planned Parenthood and other abortion um, services. And, I think this is kind of significant yeah. because uh, oftentimes, I think on both sides, Republican and Democrat, they kind of, the, the, uh, abortion is a huge issue, but, but they don't, they, they, yeah, they don't talk <laughs> about it a lot. Around. It's just, uh, they, you know, the Democrats may talk about reproductive rights and there'll be a, a little mention of you know, the pro-life and the Republican side. But when you, when you bring Abby Johnson in, she's and, you know, she, yeah, she's going <laughs> to probably describe her experience with an abortion. And so they're going there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely. That's great. I think it's probably going to be the biggest platform. She's probably, I mean, she had a movie release, but a lot more people, you know, tune into the, the poli- you know, yeah. especially this year, all the politics that are going on. So I'm very interested to see what stories might come out of her giving this witness. Yeah. Um, along with her is also going to be um, Nick Sandman. Now that name may not like necessarily ring a bell immediately, but he was the teenager who was at the 2019 March for Life and was kind of harassed. Had the MAGA hat Had on. the MAGA hat yeah. and was harassed along with other group of teenagers with a uh, gentleman with a drum in his face. And it would be huge controversy that ultimately uh, ended up with a lawsuit that ruled in his favor, which is great. And now he's going to be speaking at the... Republican National Convention. Yeah, that guy is like uh, like eighteen years old. Yes, I think he just yes, graduated yes. high school. Can you imagine? Yeah, I'm at, I mean, goodness, I you know, uh, if something like this had happened to me, I don't know how willing I would be to go and yeah. speak after being the, a face of on the news for being speak brought well? down. <laughs> I, I haven't, so. I haven't ever heard him, but he's he's been thrust, thrust into the limelight, he has, and yeah. so he's also won some lawsuits. And uh, I think yes. he, they they say he's the highest paid person at CNN or, or Washington <laughs> Post or one of those people. Because uh, I'm not sure which which um, he, he won some lawsuits. Let's just mm. say, and some mm-hmm. and some are coming. So all right, so, uh, yeah. And then um, in other news, if you all recall, last year um, there was a case that uh, was the Texas case, but it was kind of made national news. Was that there was a legal battle for the um, little boy James Younger, who um, whose parents were divorced, and the mom wanted to transition. He's about six, seven years old. Wanted to transition him to a girl, um, and the father did not. And so initially, it was ruled that uh, the father still had some control over medical and decisions and stuff like that. But just this last week, um, a judge and decided to go ahead and take that away without a 
formal uh, hearing. And yeah. so it's now he, the father still has to pay for child support, which includes potentially a transition uh, yeah. medication. And I think all, hasn't, haven't all custody rights been given to the mother? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Um, so, so it's kind of um, a mess right now. And there's, there are, uh, there's another boy, Jude as well, who's involved in this as well, another son. Um, so that whole family just really needs prayers. So yeah. really what's happening is he's going to be, his masculinity is going to be mutilated. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no becoming the opposite sex. Yeah. And he's, he's really young. He's not even, he's barely age of reason yeah. in Catholic standards, you know? Yeah. And that's, uh, it's sad. I mean, pray, I don't know if that's a final decision or not, but that, that is so either. sad. I know it's been going on for a while, but it, it really does transition us nicely into Pius X and, uh, modernism and some of the lies that the modern world has bought into, uh, hook, line, and sinker helped by much, many people in media, Hollywood, unfortunately, some academia. And so, uh, let's talk about Pius X because, uh, uh you know, he's a pretty, pretty well known. He's a canonized saint and, uh, t- today's his his feast days. So what can you tell us about him and also his fight against modernism? Yeah, I don't think he wanted to be a bishop. He, he just wanted to be a pious priest. Yeah. But at any rate, he was kind of dragged out of that. But so his encyclical against modernism, which is the big program in his pontificate, uh, what is modernism? It's, it's what it is, is it starts with, we can't know the truth. Mm-hmm. We can't know certainly religious truth. And so, it, it, religion does not start with a kind of revelation that comes through preaching. Religion starts with the feeling of the heart. Now, Pius is clear in the encyclical, even though he's condemning, right, this, this notion, he says experience is crucial, important, right? Because obviously, if faith is just words, you know, we're never meeting Christ. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is the whole faith begins with preaching. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ incarnate, we can touch. And that's all through the senses, right? He comes through the senses. So, the doctrines of the church are helping enlighten our minds to, the, his, to his truth, not just our subjectivity. And then when that truth dawns on the heart, we're made holy. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we embrace it and we're made holy. Um, so, what happens if you make religion all about the heart from the get-go? And by the heart, I, I mean emotions. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's make it clear. It's not, it's not the will as, as holy. When Catholics read this, they kind of inject their own good spirituality into modernism. Mm-hmm. And you got to get rid of that. You got to think, no, no, no. It's just this feeling that has no content. I don't know whom I'm worshiping. Could be mm-hmm. the devil. I mean, so what happens with dogmas then? I frame them the way I want to frame them. You frame them the way you want to frame them. Yeah. So there's no objectivity to religion. There's no true religion. We can't say Christ is the savior of the world. He's the one that works for Christian tradition, but some other figure might work for another tradition. Yeah. I think about it, you know, we tend to think all the evils of the world have happened in the last 20 years or, you know, since... It's all due to modernism. Yeah, but but 1907, and we just have about a minute, we got to take a break, but uh, what were the biggest concerns he had in 1907 writing about modernism? I mean, what would what have been the biggest issues in, in the world? Of course, World War II one was just about to start. So yeah, he, would, he yeah he he dies when that's that's all kicking around. Um, no, it's it's the relativism. It's yeah. we're going to change Catholic doctrine to what we want. In the end, that's what happened, right? And the yeah. modernists behind the scenes said we're a definite group. Mm-hmm. People make fun of Pius X and say, "Oh, he was like really worried about a ghost heresy. No one ever held that." While they themselves in their journals are saying. We're an organized group. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a ghost to me. All right. Thanks, Dr. Malloy. And all right. So St. Pius, Pope 
Pius X, please pray for us. And don't forget, tomorrow is going to be the Feast of the Queenship of Mary. We're going to take a one-minute break. We're going to come back and hear from Monsignor Charles Pope. You may have heard about his story. He uh, has written a lot about the coronavirus and uh, some of the, the, the what he considered to be too much fear surrounding it. And then he ends up getting it, spends some time in the hospital, and he's going to join us on the phone in just a moment. And then later on in the program, we're going to speak to two priests here in studio who are among the, their ministry is going in and caring for COVID patients in the hospital, some of them, uh, you know, at the end of their lives. So we'll get their firsthand experience uh, caring for those who are afflicted with COVID. But Monsignor Charles Pope will be next here on Duran Live. Is the Lord calling you to be a missionary? Hi, Joe McLean here, and the Guadalupe Radio Network is calling for rosary missionaries to join with the GRN in praying for very special intentions. Would you be one of them? Log on to grnonline.com forward slash missionaries. Together, we can bring the power of prayer to bear on a dark world in need of the light of Christ. Log on to grnonline.com forward slash missionaries. Solidarity HealthShare is rebuilding Catholic healthcare in America. We conform to the moral guidelines of the Catholic Church so you never have to worry about your healthcare dollars paying for anything that violates your conscience. From conception to natural death, we strive to serve all healthcare needs, protect human lives, celebrate families, and promote the dignity of all people. Join Solidarity HealthShare in restoring and rebuilding authentic Catholic healthcare by signing up at SolidarityHealthShare.org, a sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. And we are back. This is GRN Live Friday morning, 17 minutes after the hour already. Phone number if you have a question or a comment from here on out for the rest of the hour. We will be talking about COVID-19, arguably the biggest story so far of 2020. Our phone number is 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. Joining us now, Monsignor Charles Pope, pastor of Holy Comforter St. Cyprian Parish in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., popular writer for the National Catholic Register, popular blogger, and uh, recently the speaker at our Summer Speaker Series event here in North Texas. He did it remotely, and then a few days later, I think it was July 27th, he found out himself that he had contracted COVID-19 after writing about it and uh, making his thoughts known about it. So uh, he joins us now to tell (laughs) us uh, how he's doing and give us an update. Monsignor Charles Pope, good morning. Good morning. All right. First of all, how you doing? How, how, how's uh, how's the road to recovery going for you? That's been going pretty good. I <clears throat> I got out of the hospital last Thursday and um, not ne- yesterday, but a week from yesterday, and uh, been steady. I mean, it's uh, my oxygen levels and all that stuff are back up to where they should be. And I was in I, I was hospitalized because of respiratory failure, um, and uh, eleven days in the ICU. Mm. And uh, on heavy oxygen and other treatments and things, and uh, thanks be to God, I was weaned off the oxygen and came home last Thursday. And it's been a, a recovery more in terms of just getting my physical strength back. You know, you lie in a hospital bed for that long, you know, you get you get weak. But uh, I'm, I'm I think I'm about ninety five percent there. Yes. Are you out and about yet, or still quarantined, or uh, any? What's what's your daily yeah. activities like yeah. these days? Yeah, there's no need for me to be quarantined, but they have had me on rest, you know, for the last. And they didn't want me to really restart any public duties until uh, Monday. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, you know, we interviewed you uh, on this show about coronavirus, and uh, I have quoted you many times because uh, in an interview that I did with you, you talked about, I think you described it as a diabolical fear that had really come over the culture, and you really thought that people were overdoing it. And then, you know, when, when it came out that you had contracted it, a lot of people said, ah, there you go. Now, 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 now you got to taste your own medicine, Monsignor Pope. But uh, I, I know you put a video out. I think it was the Saturday after you had contracted it to your parish, and I think you said the saddest thing for you was the impact that it was going to have on your, your, your parish. So can you speak about that, and what impact did it have on those that you're, in your flock? Well, you know, when a person tests positive for COVID, and um, as I did, and I had fallen ill very suddenly on uh, Monday the 27th, and 102, almost 103 fever, and so I was taken to an uh, urgent care center, and they did test me there, and they did the rapid test because they didn't like my numbers. And uh, I kept, oh, my gosh, when I was told it was positive, I could just see all these dominoes falling. All the people that a priest is in contact with, you know, I would celebrated Mass the day before. I, I have a, a rectory staff and then four other priests living in the rectory, and I thought, oh, my gosh, we're all going into quarantine. And... Um, they sent me over to the emergency room that day because they didn't like my numbers, my pulse ox numbers. You know, the oxygen levels in the blood were pretty low. And so Georgetown did clear me to come home that week, and, but to stay in quarantine. But uh, I was getting better. I had more like flu-like symptoms, but then all of a sudden I went into respiratory failure. My numbers dropped. You know, you want your numbers to be up in the mid to upper 90s. If you, you know, a little thing you stick your finger in when you go to the hospital or the doctor. It tells you how much oxygen. It's called a pulse ox, and it had dropped all the way into the 80s. And so, um, one of the seminarians staying here is also a medical doctor, and he said you got to go to the hospital. We're going right now. And so, uh, anyway, I, but, but all the impact that that had, we had to all the rectory staff, all the priests had to quarantine, and then they even contacted everybody who had been to mass the day before. Even to, even though we did all day, we did all the required things. You know, mass, you know, sitting separately. We purified the pews, and my fingers were purified with alcohol. All, no, despite all those steps, they said still the entire congregation needs to be notified. They need to quarantine. I was like, oh, my gosh. <gasps> you know? And so I just thought of that impact on so, so many people, and I just really grieved that. So, Monsignor Pope, what, what, um, are you, maybe two questions. One is, do you, advice, do you have advice for those who are getting sick or who, you know, let's say, um, advice to take with them for those of us who might get very ill? And then secondly, advice for the general public, <clears throat> like um, how, you know, um, words of encouragement um, that, mm-hmm. are, that are, you know, sober, um, but yet uh, encouraging for us. Yeah, well, I want to say I got about as sick as you can get without dying, <laughs> and I'm a survivor. Yeah, you know the numbers are interesting. Most people who get COVID won't even know. Yeah, yep. you know, uh, they'll be asymptomatic. Some will get kind of a cold. Like we had another person in the house who I probably got it from, who had a kind of a heavy cold for several days, and he did go and get tested. And no sooner did his test come back positive than I was falling ill the same day. But, but uh, he got a kind of a heavy mo- or a moderate cold for a few days and was over it. And um, other people like me, you know, you know, need hospitalization. Only only fifteen percent of those who get COVID will need will require a hospitalization, and only five percent require time in the ICU as I did. Um, I have a history of pulmonary problems, so I um, 
I'm not surprised that I ended up in the rarefied 5%. And overall, and again, these, these numbers are always debated, but if, if you look at all the age groups, you know, across the board, um, basically overall, you have a less than 1% chance of actually dying from COVID. And um, so I still have to say the same thing. Look, COVID is not a death sentence. And if you get it, you may get moderately, you'll likely get, if you get sick at all, it'll be like a a flu or a cold, and you'll get through it. Um, And uh, it's only for those who have, you know, that that 15% that would require hospitalization. So I I have to say to him, do not be afraid. Now, that doesn't mean be reckless. Wear your mask, do the social distancing, let's help each other out. But don't, this cowering fear, and every time people quake, oh my gosh, the COVID numbers have gone up. Well, but that doesn't, that's not really very informative. It could be that we're doing more testing. You know, so I think that at some level, I, I just, my concern for all of us is we do kind of a, a national gut check and likewise our own personal gut check is, you know, am I allowing this thing to completely shut my life down? And, uh, I, again, everyone has to make prudential judgments. So I've never said don't run around, you know, be reckless, run around, don't wear a mask. I never said anything like that that some of these media outlets said. And um, I was never blithe about the whole thing. But I just think that we have to sort of realize that we live in a world full of risk. Yeah, And yeah. we can't let all, all those risks just dominate our lives. Monsignor Charles Pope joining us from the Archdiocese of D.C. He uh, contracted um, the coronavirus back at the end of July, and he is recovering, as we said. And you mentioned about some of the media coverage, and I, I we all know that this this has been very politicized, and people have very strong opinions about this. But when it was when you announced that you had tested positive, I kind of got the impression that some of the media outlets were kind of licking their chops and saying, "Ah, okay, yeah. gotcha." You know, Huffington Post said D.C. priest who criticized. Mm-hmm. Coronavirus restrictions contracts COVID nineteen. They even had a subtitle about uh, he call he he implied that those who didn't take it seriously were lukewarm Catholics, and they put that yeah. in air quotes. Yeah. Uh, well, that's did, a total did, lie. Tell, by the yeah, way. yeah, and that's why yeah they had to put it in you know like uh, yeah. But uh, what did the I know the more for every one of those there were probably a thousand people praying for you and caring for you and loving oh, yeah. you. But uh, what well, tell us about the response and what you learned from that. Well, yeah, there's a lot of very savage people out there. You know, I'm flat on my back, and they're they're gloating, you know. And again, it's because I think of a caricature of my position, which is, and I tried to explain to the Washington Post reporter, you know, there's a middle ground between excessive fear and recklessness, and it's called prudence. And that's what I've always called people to be prudent. And um, I never said, that people who are, have not come back to Mass yet are lukewarm Catholics. I don't believe that. There are a lot of people that should not be coming back to Mass yet because they're in a very vulnerable category, either due to age or other illnesses. Um, so I, look, everyone has to make their own prudential decision. And I've always been clear in all the announcements I made at my Mass and the things I've written, uh, I'm not calling anyone to recklessness. I'm not accusing anyone of of fear, I'm, I'm simply summoning all of us to remember God is still on our side. <laughs> there is still a God, and He has a plan for our life. And we have to just do, the, well, 365 times in the Bible, the expression or something like it, do not be afraid, comes up. Jesus commands us at times not to be afraid. 
So all I'm trying to do is, you know, in that context of the biblical world is to say we should be prudent, we should be aware. This is COVID is no little thing. 170,000 dead is nothing to just wink your eye at. Um, but but but, but on, the, on the other hand, we we have to realize we're in a country of 321 million people, and and um, you know the overall death rates are very low with COVID, and so I think we just have to sort of try to balance all this and say where do I where, where can I prudently live my life uh, that helps to protect me and others, but also where can I live my life. Yeah, I, I tell my students this isn't the Spanish flu, and I'm and I say this is you know, this is serious. This is not no joking matter, yeah. but it's not the Spanish flu. But above all, we're not made for this world, mm-hmm. right? I think it yeah. feels like we've forgotten that, yeah. and this would be a great mm-hmm. opportunity to learn. But I don't I don't know that I even have like really taken it in. We're not made for this. Yeah, world. And I, uh, I don't know we're near the end, but I just got to say, as a church, I'm very sad that we've been cowered into fear and silence, because we have a theology of suffering and death. Yeah. And this is not, we've, we've stayed silent about that because it's politically inconvenient and incorrect to speak about these things. But we, we ha- we've always understood that life would involve some, some degree of suffering, but that suffering produces glory. It has a role in our life. And that likewise, death itself is gain. If we, if we die loving Christ, death is it's the greatest day of our life. <laughs> We may have to have a little detour through purgatory, but we're on the way home, you know? Yeah. <laughs> now, and again, and, you know, oh, you're making light of death. I'm not. But we, we have to have a Christian understanding of these things, and we've been very quiet. Yeah. I love your perspective, and Monsignor, we've got to let you go, but uh, thank you so much for sharing your story. And I, I think it's awesome, because really, I think your message before contraction and after is pretty much the same and that's why i think your voice is so important is that it doesn't you know it's easy you know for me i haven't contracted it for me to talk about it but for somebody in your position i think you have a very very important voice uh thank you so much uh monsignor pope and uh, i ask everybody listening right now to continue to pray for his full recovery and that he can just get back right back into the swing of things and uh, thanks for spending some time with us appreciate it monsignor god bless Thanks for, thank you for all the prayers. Thank you. All right. Uh, thanks. So we go from uh, a priest like Monsignor Pope from the Archdiocese of D.C. who contracted it. And what a, what a great story. I really appreciate his perspective. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the program, what's it like if you are a priest and your bishop says, hey, does anybody like to volunteer to go into the hospital to care for COVID patients? Uh, would you raise your hand? Oh, yeah, pick me, pick me. Well, we're going to talk to two priests in studio who did just that. Uh, there are two young priests in the Diocese of Dallas, Father John and Father Timo, and uh, they both are at uh, the, the same parish, uh, St. Paul the Apostle Parish in the city of Richardson in, North, in the Dallas Diocese. And so we'll talk to them and get their perspective. Uh, and they also are former students of Dr. Malloy. So Dr. Malloy has their transcripts, and so we'll go over some of their We're grades. going over it. <laughs> but quick break, and then we'll be back. If you want to join us, if you have any question, um, because a lot of people, even relatives, are not allowed in the hospital, but these are these are priests that uh, go in and, and, and sometimes do last rites. And so so if you have any questions about them or your loved ones that maybe are in that category, you can call up during the, the, these next 30 minutes, 877-757-9424. We'll be back with GRN Alive Friday morning right after this. 
How does the GRN choose the programming that it airs? The Guadalupe Radio Network has always had the specific goal and purpose to assist each person who tunes into our stations to have an authentic and real encounter with Jesus Christ. So, we choose programming that helps provide a Catholic context to the world around us, timely advice on relationships and parenting, as well as provide solid Catholic answers to difficult questions. Additionally, through our devotional broadcasts of the Holy Mass, Divine Mercy Chaplet and Rosary, our programming enables you to grow deeper in your relationship with our Savior. As a result, the content you hear on the GRN guides you to a more active sacramental life and a richer understanding of the Catholic faith where you can fully encounter the living God even in this life. That is why we are Radio for Your Soul. Will you help us spread the word? This is Len Oswald, President of the GRN, with your GRN Family Minute. Solidarity HealthShare is rebuilding Catholic health care in America. We conform to the moral guidelines of the Catholic Church so that you never have to worry about your health care dollars paying for anything that violates your conscience. From conception to natural death, we strive to serve all health care needs, protect human life, celebrate families, and promote the dignity of all people. Join Solidarity HealthShare in restoring and rebuilding authentic Catholic health care by signing up at SolidarityHealthShare.org, a sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Instead of fighting the crowds, isn't it so much easier to hop online and do your shopping in the comfort of your own home? Did you know that you can help the Guadalupe Radio Network when you shop online? All you need to do is shop on Amazon Smile and 0.5% of your purchase goes to the GRN. Just go to AmazonSmile.com and select La Promesa Foundation as your nonprofit of choice. La Promesa is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio. It's that simple to give a little extra help to the Guadalupe Radio Network. All right, we're back. This is GRN Live Friday morning. Again, phone number 877-757-9424. Cecil Anderson is here. Diane Xavier is running social media. I don't know if I mentioned that uh, at the beginning. She does a great job, and she puts a lot of images mm-hmm. up that uh, really good, you know, visual experience. So check out YouTube or Facebook or Twitter, and you can see behind the scenes and what our guests look like and Cecil and me and what it all looks like going on behind the scenes. Dr. Malloy had to leave. Something about a class he's teaching? I know. I mean, he what, actually what a tries slacker. to go teach a class My goodness. as a professor. <laughs> I know. I just, I don't know about that guy, but uh, that's okay. And he, he took the transcripts of our, of our guests uh, with us. Uh, they both, uh, our course, were... In, we didn't, in, you didn't get a picture today? Uh, no, we'll, we'll go over some of their grades, but uh, how would you like to go to a parish and your pastor's name is Father John Stakowski, and a good Polish name, that's kind of hard to pronounce, and then he brings in a parochial vicar who is, I'm going to try this one, okay, Father Timotusz Szekowicz, can you pronounce it, Father Timo? <laughs> Timotusz Książkiewicz. Okay, all right. <laughs> Just like so, it looks, right? Yeah. yeah, so you got two. Now, like you say, Father John, now you, you're, you're the guy that's, whose name is easy to pronounce, right, right? Right. Okay, but both have Polish background. You're born in Poland, right, Father yes, Timo? Born, born and raised in Poland. Okay, all right. Well, I um, um, was uh, uh, Amy Hinterleiter uh, from the parish uh, had said, hey, you know, they're, they're, these priests are going in and caring for COVID patients. Would you like to do an interview? And I did a local interview, and I, I thought it was so important, such a great story that I said, hey, can you all come back? And uh, here you are. So thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. And uh, let me just start off, as I mentioned, talking about how 
this is kind of a, a tough thing. It's tough enough to have a parish, and you guys have a school there, right. and you got a busy life as a priest sure. and uh, caring for a lot. Yeah, then the, the bishop, how, how did it come about that the two of you were chosen or, or volunteered to go in and care for COVID patients? Right. As the coronavirus pandemic began, you know, they needed a kind of a pastoral solution um, to caring for these patients. And I'm very happy that, you know, our diocese was open to that because that's not always the case, uh, looking diocese to diocese. And uh, Bishop Kelly, our vicar for clergy, auxiliary bishop here in Dallas, sent out uh, an email asking for volunteers and with certain criteria, you know, had to be kind of on the young end of the presbyterate and no underlying health conditions and couldn't be a younger priest living with an older priest. So uh, it just worked out very well that both Father Timo and I, you know, um, could participate in this. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're both young, we're both relatively healthy and no underlying conditions. So um, I think we're the only um, or one of the only, I think the only combination of priests like where both of us in one parish are able to participate in this ministry. And that's been just a great uh, support for each other in, in, as we go making these visits. Yeah. I remember one of the things that came up in our local interview, and uh, I, I think of the great saints, the great priests, who this is kind of part of the, the job, right? Uh, as priests, you, I, I think of, uh, of uh, St. Damien of Malachi, who goes into the leper county, and also, you know, Maximilian Colby, who gave up his life uh, for uh, another prisoner in Auschwitz. Uh, uh, whose feast day we just celebrated uh, last Friday, and so it, it was this. Was it a tough decision, Father Timo, or was it like, no, I think this. I, I'd, I'd really, I don't know if "enjoy" is the right word, but I'd like to do this because it's part of my priesthood. What was your your attitude in in signing up for this? It's an honor. Yeah. To uh, to visit the sick, it's an honor, and uh, just looking at the history of the church, where where the sick, the poor, the needy are always a priority. You know, we, we spoke early, earlier about the, the importance of suffering. And, uh, and it's, you know, I, was, I was very happy. We, we were joking that uh, <laughs> I was saying that, you know, I have a really low chance for holiness, so I got to grab onto whatever I can. <laughs> <laughs> Take those opportunities when they avail, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we, we should say that they really protect you all big time when you go in. It's not just like a face mask or a face shield. It's, uh, what is right. it, Father John? You got to put the whole suit on, right? Right. Um, you know, we've never had to put on so many pieces of the protective clothing, right? Um, yeah usually wearing at least one, sometimes two pairs of gloves. Um, you know, the full gown, uh, kind of uh, boots over our shoes, uh, hairnet type thing, as well as the N95 um, mask and then, you know, another surgical mask over that that we can dispose of after we leave the room and then, of course, the face shield. So, mm-hmm. you know, they give us every possible um, object of PPE uh, yeah. that we can possibly wear. So, right, right. You know, it's, I think, and I think Father Timo would agree, you know, we feel very safe going into these rooms. You know, yeah. it's not really a concern. Um, initially, you know, it was a little nerve-wracking, not really knowing what would happen. But, you know, we've been so well protected, and the fact that he and I continue to test negative, um, you know, we test regularly just to, to make sure everything's fine as we continue yeah. our, our parish ministry. But, you know, we've been doing this for several months now, and we continue to test negative, And, you know, we feel very safe in, in performing this ministry. So, you know, they take care of us well. The nurses also kind of coach us as how to – you know, put on all the equipment rights to take it off so we're, you know, not compromising our own safety. So. Mm-hmm. And Father Timo, how often are you doing this? I think I read one article that said that between the two of you, you visited over 100 COVID patients. Is it only ones at the, in the really serious circumstance like Monsignor Pope was or just anybody or, or, or who, who do you see? 
as often as needed. Sometimes it's uh, it's those very difficult cases or or people who are actively dying, or sometimes it would be a family at home that uh, that needs support because there is uh, there's this rhetoric of fear, no, that yeah. uh, that goes around, and uh, and there is people who actually close themselves in their houses for the last four four or five months, and uh, there are situations when the whole family has has COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they're at home for three four weeks at a time because you know th- th- let's say one one mom, one family member brings it then a week later somebody else tests positive a week later next per- so they can they can you know family of five can be at home for six weeks without leaving and that's that's very difficult that's very heavy and uh, nobody wants to visit them mm-hmm. and uh, so we go there as an image of Jesus Christ not as not as heroes but as uh, you know as an image of Jesus Christ to to uh, uh, to visit them, to bring them, to bring them joy, to bring them, uh, you know, to break their routine, to uh, to attack that fear that uh, you know prudence is always fundamental, but also to to dispel that fear of of, of death, that fear of uh, other people that uh, that surround those who are sick. Yeah. Mm. All right. So you can visit obviously people in home if they're not you know near death's door. But in the hospitals, are you able to go in? Um, and just you know, give anointing of the sick before, when they're not as in a dangerous situation. Like, what are the, is it a very hospital to hospital? How are you? How much are you able to go in? It's on hospital to hospital basis, and mm. uh, but most of the hospitals they restrict uh, restrict access as much as they can. So uh, in most of the hospitals, they will allow us only to come in when they are projecting somebody to pass away mm. sooner rather than later. A lot of these people are on ventilators, right. and I wonder, because you see these pictures of somebody visiting their grandma, and she's COVID-19, and they can't even get in, uh, and I just wonder, uh, they're almost like lepers, you know, and uh, like you, you say, you, we're, we're, we're all so afraid of each other. Are you, the ones that you're able to communicate with, and maybe they're able to, what, what, what do they say? And I know it's a painting with a broad brush, but what, what kind of conversations have you had? And what are they telling you about, you know, the, what, what, how they're feeling? Because most of us don't have any access to them. Right. And that's the, one of the many difficult things about this whole situation is that they're alone, essentially, in their hospital rooms. Um, of course, they see nurses and uh, doctors, but um, when the priest is able to walk in and they see, you know, somebody not in a lab coat or, you know, kind of the medical profession, but realize somebody is there to offer spiritual healing and offer the sacraments of the church, um, I've seen, you know, I think everybody I've visited that's been conscious and able to see that the priest is present, you know, they're, they're very emotional. Mm-hmm. They're very grateful for um, the sacramental life of the church and that we've been able to bring that to them yeah. to remind them that they're not forgotten, that they're still part of the body of Christ, even when they're, you know, in that situation where they're otherwise isolated. Yeah. And I think, uh, th- this, this highlights really what the church is all about, right. you know, uh, and, and I, I think there's no shortage of bad news about the Catholic Church in the last, <laughs> you know, a few years. Right. But, uh, Father Timo, this does highlight really the core mission of the church. Of course, our core mission is to lead souls to heaven, but, uh, there's also a temporal aspect to it, which in the two are very much intertwined, isn't it? But this, uh, this speaks well of the mission of the church well the 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 mission of the church is always to to bring jesus christ and what you know to bring uh, god on, into the world and and what what god is god is love and so that's what we bring love present in sacraments love present in the announcement of good news love present in dispelling fear 
love present in uh, in preaching Jesus Christ, no? Where uh, where the other is Christ. Yes. Um we are speaking to Father John Stakowski and Father Timo. They are from St. Paul the St. Paul the Apostle Parish in Richardson. Well, I'll say that ten times, huh? <laughs> and uh, they volunteered in the Diocese of Dallas to go in and care for COVID patients, especially those who are at the end of their lives. And if you have a question for them, these these uh, priests are at ground zero of this COVID crisis, uh, 877-757-9424, um, the, the administration of the sacraments, uh, is part of this last rites? Uh, I'm sure you have seen some people that literally are are just about to cross through that door. Uh, that that uh, that's not something that most of us experience. Uh, and of course, you see it outside of COVID. But uh, tell us about that experience of maybe perhaps being the last person somebody experiences before uh, departing this world. Certainly, and that's not uncommon for us as priests. Yeah. But um, usually, we as far as quantity, you know, it's not. The bulk of our visits being very, very close to death visits. Yeah. Um, however, with the coronavirus, that has very much been the case. And you know, as we see these um, these men and women, men and women suffering, and uh, getting to minister to them um, again, bringing the sacraments, bringing the church to them in their moments of suffering is is uh, very humbling and a good reminder of really what the priesthood of Jesus Christ is all about and serving him as ministerial priests. But, you know, it's a difficult thing seeing so many people in such intense suffering. And, you know, this virus is horribly um, devastating to the body. Mm-hmm. And to, to just to see physically how it's ravaged so many people that we've seen, um, it's, uh, it's overwhelming, but all the more than... Um, comes to the surface the importance of what we're able to do as priests and bring them um, really prepare their souls for our Lord. Mm-hmm. I'm sure every experience uh, that you have changes how you see yourself as a priest. And I wonder how this experience over these last few months has, you know, helped you be a better priest or seeing the, the suffering in these unique circumstances. Like you say, you see sick people all the time, but uh, what, what impact has it had on your priesthood, Father Timo? Well, it's underlined to me. Uh, that importance of evangelization and underlined for me the importance of reaching out to people, especially the, those who are lost, because uh, preaching from the pulpit, you know, uh, being being at masses and it, it's very important, it's very fundamental. But uh, how about those who who don't come? How about those who who for whatever reason left the church? And then now we meet a lot of people who. Uh, who stray for the, from the church for one reason or another, and uh, when I do the when I visit somebody in the hospital, <clears throat> sorry, I always uh, I always reach out to the family, I always uh, connect with them, I always uh, try to have a conversation, a dialogue with them, if possible. The hospital allows us to to connect with the families when uh, we visit the sick. And to uh, to also to announce to them the good news, you know, to announce to them the the good news of the mystery of the cross, of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, where because because the devil will tell a lot of people, you know, that uh, that God has cheated us. The devil will tell a lot of people that uh, you know God promises happiness, and look where we where we are right now. And, uh, and I think it's fundamental for me. It's 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 part of the mission to uh, to announce, you know, that uh, that death does not have the last word mm-hmm. that uh, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins but he also resurrected to open for us the gates of heaven and to never forget that 
that uh, we receive the we receive the promise of eternal life in our baptism, and uh, and God is always faithful. He fulfills His promises. Mm-hmm. And uh, for my priesthood, this is fundamental because sometimes some days are some days are very difficult. Some days uh, some days are uh, where where uh, this question, this question comes to me, no, and then that's that's when prayer. Uh, that's when prayer is fundamental. That's mm-hmm. where uh, I see that without praying, I I die. Yeah, yeah. Just got a, a question from an anonymous listener came in through text. Are the priests able to hear confessions or say absolution, absolution to those who have very little capacity to respond, but maybe let's say they can make a sign of the cross or something like that? Are they able to give absolution? Father John? Sure. Um, you know, looking at the theology of the sacraments, the, um, the sacrament of anointing of the sick involves the forgiveness of sins, as, uh, as does, of course, the sacrament of penance. And in those cases, when a person is not able to communicate um, or, you know, is completely intubated or unconscious, um, you know, the sacrament of anointing of the sick and the forgiveness of that person's sins is still efficacious. So we're able to, you know, bring them that, uh, that spiritual healing, um, even in a position when they're not uh, physically able to confess their sins as they might do in a normal situation. So um, that being said, if the person is able to speak and would like to go to confession, sure, we're more than willing to do that. But mm-hmm. at least we're able to offer uh, the forgiveness of their sins through the sacrament of anointing of the sick. Yeah, and I'm sure they're so, I, I don't know, I'm, I, as much as they're able, they're so excited to see a priest. I know right. if I was on my deathbed and I saw a Roman collar, it would make me very happy to see sure. that. Um, we talked in the, 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 the previous interview about kind of the silver lining of all this. Many people have said, you know, of course, it's horrendous what's happening and a hundred and you know so many thousand deaths and all that. But at the same time, some people are saying, "Well, I'm spending more time with my family. I kind of enjoy being home, you know, working from home." And yeah, everything everything's changed. And what what do you see? Because you know we're we're Easter people, you know, and we right, see right. past Good Friday. And so, what what are the silver linings of all this from your experience? You know, spiritually, I'm um, as Dr. Malloy said earlier. You know, we have a theology of suffering, and we're all the more than just confronted with that. Um, not in a bad way, but as you said, you know, Good Friday leads to the resurrection, right? We're not stuck in our suffering. Our Lord has redeemed everything. He's redeemed this already. You know, he's conquered death. He's beat death at his own game, right? Um, spiritually, though, I'm hoping as a, as a world, as a culture, we're able to look at, you know, things of this passing world are very much crumbling. Uh, yeah. We can't deny that at this time more than ever, right? That uh, the passing world is exactly that. It's passing... It's not our ultimate end, but it's just a solid, re- solid reminder that you know we're created to be with God for eternity, and that the things we experience, the sufferings in this this life, you know, draw us um, in various ways, in our own particular way, to hopefully the glory of eternal life with our Lord. Yeah. So just you know, as a culture, I'm hoping we're able to not go back to our our previous normal, but really embrace a new normal of keeping our hearts and our minds focused. On eternal life versus the the very clearly passing temporal things. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I have found strangest about this whole COVID crisis has been the impact it's had on interpersonal relationships. It used to be I'm, I'm kind of a physical person, so when I see I meet somebody, I want to shake their hand, I want to give them a hug. I you know now everything's you know six feet apart, right. and you know there's this kind of era of, of suspicion about everybody and the face masks and all that. And uh, well, what uh, Talk about that in your experience, Father Timo. Uh, what you think it, what impact it's had on personal relationships? 
Well, I, I think, you know, I'm a millennial, so uh, yeah. you know, the <laughs> s- cell phone is part of my life. <laughs> yeah. But uh, when you look at our youth, when you look, uh, when you look around, everybody was already somewhat at cl- enclosing a bubble. You know, social media was the way to communicate. And now, the, the, now as you say, there's this huge danger of uh, individualization that uh, the church preaches that uh, the other is Christ to, to love the enemy. And now we're getting uh, from everywhere around us, we're getting this rhetoric that says, no, the other is enemy. Avoid, avoid one another. If you, if you don't have to uh, be with other people, you know, uh, push them away, be, be on your own, be alone. And that's, uh, that's a huge danger yeah. you know, because, because the foundation of Christianity is a community where, uh, where we learn how to love one another because of, uh, because of Christ present in us. We learn how to forgive. We learn how to love, to be loved. And now this, there's this huge push that says, no, do the opposite. Stay away from one another. And, and of course, we have to be prudent. Yeah. But uh, we have to fight against this rhetoric because uh, we can already see how much damage uh, the cell phone addiction has done. Yeah, and now imagine uh, everybody saying, you know, uh, stay away from others. How much, uh, how much damage will this do? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There was that uh, viral video. I don't know if you all saw it. I think it was two little cousins or two little kids that got to actually be with each other for the first time. And and did you see that? Yeah. And oh, they were just crying, and uh, they had been apart for so long. And finally, I think we all need that 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 human touch. You know, um, my guests are. Fi- I'm just going to go, Father John and Father Timo. Okay, we're going to say that. Uh, and uh, we're down to our last few minutes. If you have a question, please call in quickly. Eight seven 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 five seven nine four. 424-877-757-9424. We're talking about uh, hospital visits to uh, COVID patients, and I want to give either, each of you all a chance to kind of have your last uh, statement or your last word to our listeners, but I am curious of how this ministry has impacted your ministry as a pastor, as a procreal vicar, how you take what you learn in the hospital with the dire cases and apply it to your priestly work at, at the parish, or what impact has that made? You know, on a personal level, I think, uh, and I, I, this is true for all priests, you know, we need to have things that motivate us to really kind of reexamine our priesthood um, yeah. and to really reframe things and try to, uh, you know, make sure that we understand what we're doing. You know, it's not, you know, my ministry as a person, but this is what Jesus Christ has called me to do, to serve him in a particular way. And, you know, one of the things I always go back to reflecting upon is one of the closing lines in the ordination rites uh, for the priest, and that's simply the bishop telling um, one of the prayers is, you know, the closing line is, conform your life to the mystery of the Lord's cross. And this has been a perfect opportunity to really do just that, reminding me that, you know, I'm not in charge of my priesthood, that um, as a priest, it's that intimate being with our Lord upon the cross and fulfilling the will of the Father, whatever that means, you know, not as I define it or not as I'm comfortable, you know, responding to that, but no, responding fully to the will of the Father and embracing you know, whatever my ministry is supposed to be in order to fulfill God's will. Mm. And, you know, then bringing this um, to the parish, it, it's just, as you can imagine, really strikes at my heart as as a pastor, you know, shepherding the souls of my parish, but now being called uh, even beyond that, you yeah. know, to minister to those that, you know, aren't part of my flock. But um, it's been great having this ministry as, you know, as, as unfortunate as our times are that we live in, but you know, being able to continue bringing our Lord's healing into the world to serve the people of God when 
they aren't necessarily able to come to church at this time, right? It's yeah. been great being able to be a part of this great ministry. Yeah, it sure has. We got a caller, Elsa from Capel, Texas. Uh, Elsa, thank you for calling. Uh, gonna have to make it real quick, and then your answer is gonna have to be very quick. Uh, but th- thanks, Elsa. What, what, what's your question for Father Timo and Father John? Are you there? Oh no, Elsa. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead, Elsa. Yeah, make it quick if you could. Thank you for calling. Of course, thank you. Uh, so, how or what can a family do when uh, a loved one is in their last days of life? Besides praying the rosary, um, you know, novena. Uh, but is there anything else that a family can do to help them along the way in their last days of life? All right, thank you, uh, thank you, Elsa. Got maybe uh, less than a minute, but go ahead, Father Timo. Do you want to answer that? To uh how how to help someone when to to remind them of the love of god because the dev, the devil is a very good liar and he he's very good at accusing and he's very good at uh, uh making sure that uh, we lose the perspective of eternal life no so he will come with accusations of uh, things that from the past of the lies of uh, old judgments of old uh, misunderstandings and he will present that to us no so so it's very important to reconcile it's very important to uh, to spend time together and to to reflect on the beauty of uh, of the cross, on the beauty that uh, you know that the Lord has taken our sins on us. Of course, uh, if uh, call a priest, there is always a priest available, uh, and remain in prayer. The Virgin Mary, you know, Rosary is fundamental. The Virgin Mary stood under the cross, and uh, and she rested in the salvific will of God. Yes, amen. I didn't ask you all about this beforehand. We often do a, an after show for 10 or 15 minutes on our social media platforms. Are, do you all need to go right away, or can you hang around a little bit longer? Okay, sure. okay. thank you so much. Great answer. Thank you, Elsa, for that call. Uh, we're going to have to wrap up the radio program, and uh, we're going to stay on social media. So if you're on YouTube or Twitter or Facebook, Father John and Father Timo are going to hang out with us. Uh, can one of you all offer a, a quick blessing to our listeners? Real quick, 10 seconds. No. <laughs> May the Lord's blessings be upon all of you who are listening now and always, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks to both of you. Thanks to everybody for listening. Hang with us in social media. We'll continue the conversation to 10 or 15 minutes. God bless you, and have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you for listening to GRN Alive from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828 And may your Friday be filled with the joy of the Lord. Blessed be God. Blessed be his holy name. Blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be his most sacred heart. Blessed be his most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. 
Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary Most Holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth.